back into this series. And uh, you know how sometimes you go away on vacation and uh, you come home more tired than you left? You know one of those kind of vacations? And you know how sometimes when you uh, watch Brother Chris, he's back there drinking coffee. And you know how sometimes you go away and you feel like you, 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 know, you, you never really got away because it just went by that fast? Uh, boy, we just, we, we just got so much stuff while we were there. And so here, if you want, give those to Brother Chris, uh, Brother Greg, and then anybody coming in late, he can give one of those to them. Thank you, sir. And so we, we uh, I'll tell you, there's so much that we saw. And I hope, uh, like I said, that some of you, I know the Chadwicks, you guys are going, when are you guys going? November. And so um, just give you an idea, the pastor, uh, Skelly, that, that I coordinated the trip with, he, uh, there's so many things that he, he's been over there, I think like 12, 13, 14 times. And, uh, and so he, he, we were talking to him uh, with our flight cancellation. And my wife asked him, she said, is this the largest group? Because there was 80 of us total and uh, two bus loads of folks. <clears throat> and um, he said, actually, you're not the largest group. And, and I, had a, I had the opportunity to either go in March or in October. And uh, he said, in October, he says, my next group that I'm taking in October is 220 people. Five busloads of people that are going. And I'm telling you, there are buses running everywhere over there, but uh, it, is, it is worth it. It is worth it. So uh, James chapter number three this morning, and a couple verses that we want to share out of James chapter number three. And if I can just bring you back, and I appreciate Pastor Humbert. Did he behave himself while he was here? Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to have to listen to the messages, Brother Cordy, to make sure that he behaved himself. But we've been going through this series on being an authentic Christian. And today, I want to talk about something that all of us have. You know, there's, there's things in the Bible, like, for instance, all of us have a conscience. God's given every one of us a conscience. But there is something that each one of us have that James writes about in chapter 3, in verse number... Uh, verse number five and six, and you might want to look in your Bible because it looks like part of this might have got cut off uh, in your outline. But in James chapter three and verse five, it says, oh, I, it looks like the E got cut off. That's what it is. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. The tongue, it's just a little bitty thing. Each of us have one. But boy, it, it can be used for good or bad. Uh, it can destroy and listen, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm just as guilty as the next person. I think all of us have said things we should have never said. And, and James is writing here, and of course this is the Word of God, but he's reminding us about the Christian life and how God wants us to have a life that is a righteous life. It's a life that, you know, we're living in a world of iniquity. We're, you understand the word iniquity? We're living in a world of sin, Right? It's a dark world because of sin. And, and we know the Bible says that our righteousness, ours, is as filthy rags. There's nothing righteous about us. 
but because of what Jesus did for us, because we're a Christian, you and I should live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. And so there are uh, some issues that are always present with us. And one of those issues that James is addressing here in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, is the use of the tongue. You know, anytime you open your mouth, you're using that little member called the tongue. And we entered into this passage today, and we've already uh, kind of done a little bit of uh, examination of this matter of the tongue, but James now moves from, remember, if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about this matter of works. A lot of people misunderstand, uh, a lot of people are trusting in their own works in this area of salvation, and we know that the Bible says not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And so James here in chapter 3 moves from works, notice here, to words. Just look, look, one little letter difference. Works to words. And words are powerful. Uh, Dr. Clarence Sexton, who actually was the president of the Bible college that I went to, it's where Lauren uh, Hansen is going right now, he said this, our Christian life should be demonstrated by the work we do, but there is also a great evidence for the Christian life in the words that we speak. Because here's what happens is the, the words we speak back up the things that we do. Uh, you know, the Bible says everything we do, we should do in word and deed. Very important we understand how our words, look, our words, if we're Christians, and I pray everybody knows the Lord this morning, if we are children of God, then our words should bring glory to God. Our words should bring blessings to other people. You know, like in our day that we live in, a lot of times when we see somebody, the way we greet them is, hello, how are you doing? Something like that. But in the Bible times, a lot of times it was blessing to you. Every time we got on our bus, our bus driver, I wish you guys could have met him. I may play the video every morning uh, we got on the bus, and he, this is how he greeted us, shalom, shalom, every morning, peace, peace to you, you know, good morning to you. And uh, his words were always so encouraging, you know, every morning when we got on the bus. You, look, if you got on the bus with a frown on your face, you couldn't be on that bus more than a couple minutes before Menachem has got you smiling and thinking about how wonderful life is. And it's all because he has chosen to use his words. Dr. Wiersbe said there, there are 12 words that every Christian needs to use often. Now look at these. I don't know if you have them. I can't remember if I put them in your notes. But here's one word. Please. Let's practice that. Please. You know, we teach our children that. But as adults, do we, do we get to a place where we no longer have to say please? It's amazing when you, say, when you say please to someone, they're like, oh, someone with manners, somebody with respect. He said every Christian should say please. How about this one? Thank you. A lot of people don't say thank you. And you know, I, I told some folks the other day, I said, look, I realize our flight got canceled, but I said uh, God's been blessing and God's given us opportunity to get on another flight. I said, I don't understand it all. I just know this. We should be thankful. Paul said, in, that, that in all things we are to, to give thanks. He says to rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. Be thankful, people. Here's another thing we should always say is, I love you. I love you. Uh, when I say that to my wife, 
You know, it's, I, I said to her the other day, I, I said, I love you. And she kind of looked at me and I said, I do. You know, and sometimes we just throw that around. But I don't look, I, I say it because I mean it. And we need to tell one another that we love them. He, how about this one? As Christians, here's the last of those 12 words. I'm praying for you. Brother Flynn said to me this morning, he said, Pastor, we were praying for you, for you guys, praying for your trip and your group. And it, look, you, you have no idea. That means a lot to me, knowing that there are people praying. And these are 12 words that can change our lives. And so he begins by writing. Look here, if you're in chapter 3 of James, look at verse number 1, at, at what he writes here. Beginning in verse number 1, he says, My brethren, he's writing to Christians. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. The word perfect there, talking about maturing, being a mature Christian. He says, and able also to bridle the whole body. So notice here, look here. That little member, just like it, he'll say here in just a minute, it will control the entire body, something so small. Look at the next verse. He says, behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth, the one that's guiding the, the ship, the boat. Even so, he says, so this, in the same way, the tongue is a little member, and it boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setting on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue. I mean, look, we can tame a lion. We can tame this kind of animal, but in verse number 8, the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, that's with the tongue, even the Father, and therewith curse we God with the same tongue, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. In other words, look, folks, <clears throat> if somebody hears you cursing, they're going to think to themselves, well, he must not, she must not be a Christian because Christians don't talk that way. See, even unsaved people understand how a Christian should talk, the words that they use. And listen, we're talking here this morning about what? We're talking about the power of the tongue. Uh, the tongue is a fire, it says here. A world of sin, it's talking about iniquity, is in this little bitty member. And each of us need to make improvements on the way that we use our tongues. I hope you're listening this morning because God really spoke to me as I was studying this member. So many times I say things that I, that I shouldn't say. I read this true account. There was a young man, and like so many, he went to the doctor. He was diagnosed with cancer. And the cancer, interestingly, and I've heard of this before, had gotten into his tongue. He had cancer in his tongue. True story. The doctors tried to help with the situation, tried to do everything that they could. But they told him 
that they're going to have to remove his tongue because of the cancer. The doctor told him that he would never, after this surgery, he'd never be able to speak again. He'd never be able to say another word once his tongue was removed. But before the surgery took place, before he went in there realizing he was going to lose his tongue and never say another word in his life, the last thing that this man said, and you, you think about that, if you were dying, what would be your last words? Here's a man who wasn't dying, he was losing this small member, his tongue, and here's what he said, I thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the very last thing that he said, and he was taken to surgery. And folks, listen, that ought to be the theme of every one of our lives with that little member called the tongue, as we should use it to express to this unsaved world how much we love the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want you to see this morning. So notice a couple aspects as James is writing here in James chapter number three. Notice, first of all, the connection of the tongue. The connection. How is the tongue connected to everything else? Well, look in Matthew 12 there in your notes. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. Are you getting the analogy this morning? All right. People see good fruit in our lives, and there ought to be some good things. But notice as Jesus is saying in Matthew 12, he calls those folks in that day a generation of vipers, the poison. He says, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? They just don't go together. He says, for out of the abundance, whatever's in your heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. You, look, you ever have when you were growing up, how many of you had siblings? Brothers and sisters? Did your brother or sister ever tattle on you? Or maybe you were the one that tattled on them. You know what our tongue does? Our tongue tells on us. People hear the things that we say, and they're like, boy, that's not very good thing for that person to be saying. Or they hear us saying good things. And that's the way our lives should be. A man said, <clears throat> growing up as a boy, my father taught us that though we may not use profane words, when we lose our temper, listen now, when we lose our temper, because a lot of times we think, well, I didn't say a curse word, but he said that his dad told him, that when we lose our temper and our tongues are out of control, it's just as sinful because we've said things in disgust that we never would have said if we had control of the situation. And sometimes that happens. The tongue is many times used in anger, and it, and it could be used to say things that, look, honestly, folks, you're later, later on, maybe, maybe sooner than later, you will regret that you ever said it. So how do you use your tongue? And here's what I want you to see. And I hope you saw it in the text this morning because we're talking about the connection of the tongue. How is the tongue connected? Look, it has a connection to our heart because the Bible talked about whatever is in our hearts will eventually come out of our mouths. There's a heart connection when our tongue speaks, you know what it is? 
It's a reflection of your heart. That's what the tongue is. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So James helps us. He says, look, there's a connection between your tongue and your heart. But notice, secondly, we see because of the tongue and because it's a, there's a world of iniquity there, look at number two, the condemnation of the tongue. In verse 1 of chapter 3, look again at what he says. My brethren, be not many, what's the word? Masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now, what's James talking about here? <clears throat> what he's talking in this particular text or context, James is speaking as a leader. God gave him the opportunity to be a leader. And you might think, well, I'm not a pastor, but there's a chance that you might be the head of your home, you might be a husband, you might be a single home, might be a, a, a wife that maybe is having to take charge, maybe at work, God's put you in a position. James is talking here about being a leader. In this particular instance, James was a leader in the church. And, and when, when James, he realized, and by the way, I do too as a pastor, that people listen to every word that I say. I, I am going to stand before the Lord just like you are one day. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. All of us will give an account of the life that we've lived. Do you agree with that? Okay. Every one of us will. But if you're, a, if you're the head of the home, according to the Word of God, you're going to have a greater accountability, right? See, I, I'm going to give an account as a Christian, but I'm going to give an account as a father, the head of my home. That's a position God placed me in, I didn't put myself in. But watch this, as a leader, God called me to pastor a church, and God's given me, according to the Word of God, God's given me a flock. It's not my flock. This is the Lord's work. And I'm the under-shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. And I, as a leader in the church, just like James, everything I say, people are listening to it. And I, look, I understand that. That's why I take pastoring very, very, very seriously. Because here's what he says. He says, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. James was guiding this New Testament church in the city of Jerusalem. And he spoke about the power that we have. In other words, the responsibility that all of us have. Now, you may not be a pastor, but if God's put you in a position as a leader in any capacity, you have a responsibility. Well, again, it comes from how you use this little member that's inside your mouth. And he says, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. As a Christian, we're accountable, uh, more accountable than those who, who profess to be Christians because as God's people, people are listening to the words that we have to say. See, evidently some tongues in James's day, according to this passage, some of those tongues were out of control. We we had a we had a meeting the other night in uh, in, in Tel Aviv. Well, actually, we were still in Jerusalem when we found out that our flight was canceled. We were trying to make arrangements, and 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 I realized that you know it wasn't it, it definitely wasn't news that that any of us wanted to hear <clears throat> because many had jobs and things like that. But again, you understand it was out of our control. There was nothing we could do. I mean, who would have predicted that a, we're in Israel in a snowstorm in 
New Jersey would have caused us from being able to catch our flight back home. And so folks kind of, you know, they, they weren't yelling, they weren't angry, but they were saying some things, and it was evident that there was a little bit of tension there. And so Brother Kenny and I, we were just, you know, trying to keep things under control and try to help them understand that we're doing the best we can and so on. And Brother Kenny said this, and we were, there wasn't hardly anybody there. It was late at night. Brother Kenny said, listen, we're not being a very good testimony right now. And so things kind of calmed down a little bit, and we continued our little meeting, and we had a word of prayer, and, and we dismissed. And after we dismissed, there was a guy, I didn't even know he was there. He was sitting over on the side, and when we got done, I, I started to leave, and he, he stood up, and he, and he introduced himself, and he says, listen, I couldn't help but overhear what was going on. And uh, he said, uh, I've been here in, in Israel for, he says, well, I'm leaving like tomorrow or the next day. He says, is there anything I can do to pray for you folks? Now, I'm glad that we, we, we had a testimony because otherwise we'd have been a poor testimony, not only to him, but maybe other people. And we have to understand that there are always people listening. And he's talking here about the condemnation of the tongue, great harm was being done in, in James's day by the use of wrongful uh, words coming from the mouth, the tongue. Look at verse 2. For in many things we offend all. If, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Somebody said the mature people are the people who use their tongue in the wisest way. That's a mature person. It's not the ones that have been here the longest, it's the ones that use their tongue in the wisest way. Look, our tongues really do tell our story. Uh, it, is, it is many times our reaction to things that gets us into trouble because the way we react and then what we say based on that reaction, you know, again, you ever been around somebody that always has to get the last word? You know, I hope uh, that you're not one of those kind of people, but sometimes you get around those folks and uh, they want to give you a piece of their mind or they want to have the last word. But remember, it is not the tongue that gets us into trouble. It is our heart. Remember the connection between the tongue and the heart? See, a lot of times we think it's our tongue that gets us in trouble, but it's really our heart. And if our heart was right with God, then guess what? What's coming out of our mouths would not be something that would condemn us. See, you know, a lot of times people say, boy, you just don't understand, Pastor, what's going on in our church. Listen, in every church, there are, there are times where people say things. You know why? Because we're a family. Because we're in this flesh. We might be saved, but we still have every day, we still have to fight against some of those things. But a mature Christian uses his tongue in the right way, all right? You guys still love me? Yeah. Am I just tell? I'm just sharing Bible, right? Okay. Now let me give you something. How many of you like going to the doctor? Uh huh. Brother, pray for Brother Webster. Brother Webster went in to have a procedure done, and Brother Flynn told me that uh, they've got to actually have some stuff. Uh, he's is with his heart. And brother, we're praying for you. Praying that God will work things out. Lord knows you're in God's hands. And I love Brother Webster. He's got such a sweet spirit. But listen. I don't like to go to the doctor any more than some of you do, especially to get a checkup. And so this morning, from this passage, I want to give you some simple thoughts in the time we have left, and write it down, number three, 
the checkup of the tongue. We're going we're gonna to examine our tongues. Now, some of you are like, uh, Pastor, I have to go to the bathroom. All right? Now, listen, don't anybody get up, all right? Because I'm just going to share some things with you this morning. And I'm, look, I'm not saying you need this. I'm just saying that there will come a time where you probably will, okay? This is not something go, oh, boy, I'm going to take notes on this and share this with my spouse. No, this is for you and this is for me, all right? So I want to give you some thoughts this morning because this exam probably for many of us will not be a pleasant thing okay so write it down letter a sin not with the tongue sin not with the tongue psalm 39 1 i said i will take heed to my ways that i sin not with my tongue i will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me notice the psalmist says he wasn't saying while i'm around other saved people he says, while the wicked is listening to me, he says, I'm going to learn to bridle my tongue. I'm going to learn to control my tongue. We don't have to look far to find a world of iniquity. All you got to do is go to a mirror, open your mouth, and you found it, according to the word of God. So sin not with the tongue, letter B. Keep the door of my lips. This ought to be something that you would say, listen, this is what I want to do. I want to keep the door of my lips. Folks, look, if you keep your, and it's hard sometimes to keep your mouth closed, you know, it's, it may, I don't know if you could do it in a nice sort of way, but I've heard a lot of people say, oh, why don't you just shut up, right? <laughs> what they're saying is close your mouth. It, it, does your mom ever tell you this? If you don't have anything nice to say, what? Right. You know, in other words, it, 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 talking here about keeping the door of my lips. There is a constant temptation for our tongue to get out of control. Look at Psalm 141. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Notice what he says. Keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity, and let me not eat of their dainties. The psalmist, he knew that he couldn't, and he, God knows that we can't, master our own tongues. It's, it is something that we all struggle with. And like David was praying here in Psalm 141, we need God's help. You and I, we need God's help with our tongues. And what do we need to do? We need to keep the door of my lips. All right? Number three. Here's the third thing. If you're going to examine the tongue, the checkup of the tongue, keep the right tone. Tone. Folks, we've got to watch the way we say things. I love Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. So we need to learn that it's not simply using our tongue, but how we use it. We need to keep calm and respond to other people in the right sort of way. So keep the right tone. Letter D, use your tongue for life and not for death. Use your tongue for life. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the what? The power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Folks, we've got to understand that there is power in the tongue and use our tongues for life. Some people, really, they take pride that they can use their tongue sort of as a, 
as a sword or some instrument of death. Uh, some feel that, that God's given them their tongue to straighten everybody else out. <laughs> they feel that, uh, you know, sometimes they want to give somebody a verbal tongue lashing. You know, and honestly, I hear people sometimes like that, and it's easy for us to, to, to use our tongue to turn off people. Tongues can destroy. What can they destroy? They can, they can destroy churches. So many churches have been destroyed by this little member. Families have been destroyed by the tongue. Relationships have been destroyed by the tongue. Because of our old nature, you know what, you and I are, we're more apt to cause death than life. And here's what he's saying. James is saying that we need to use our tongue for life and not for death, all right? Letter E, express the law of kindness. Use your tongue to say kind things, you know? It's important that we see this. Proverbs 31, 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. We all know that's the passage dealing with what we call the virtuous woman. Hey, listen, does it have to just be about her? Can't we all use our tongue to say something kind? Folks, find something. There is always something kind that you can say to someone else. And we need to use our tongue to express the law of kindness. Let her out. Be an example of the believers in our words. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Well, how do we do that? Notice the whole list here, but he starts with in what? In word. In this, in this list here, conversation, charity, the way we love people, spirit, faith, purity, the list starts at the top of the list is that you and I need to be an example in our words. We shouldn't just say that we're a Christian. We should be an example of what a Christian's like. Uh, you know, I, I, folks, listen, sometimes I'll have people over to my house, and, and, and we've had a lot of you, and if we haven't had you yet, we want to have folks over to the house, and God's blessed us with a home, and we want to use it for Him. But, you know, over the years, I have people to our house, and, and we're not the example. We're not the model family. But do you realize that, that by having, by, as a Christian, if we have people over and we use our tongues properly and we say kind things to one another, most people have no idea what a Christian home looks like or sounds like. And it's a good way to be an example to others, uh, being a, an example of what a Christian looks like. The Bible talks about in honor, preferring one another, loving one another, restoring one another. Look, God didn't put us here to tear one another up. He put us here that if there is something going on, that we, are, we should restore one another in the spirit of Christ. Well, how do we do that? With the tongue. Again, this list that he gives in 1 Timothy 4, he begins with what we say and he ends with a heart of purity. If you look at that list, see the heart of purity, again, the heart is connected to our words. He comes back to this and we need to be an example Christian by the words that we are speaking. Many people need to improve their tongue. Look what Titus said here in chapter 1. There are many unruly and vain talkers, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, 
for filthy lucre's sake. There's a lot of people that are guilty of saying things that they should not even say. And we need to say, God, help me to have the right heart so that I'll say the right thing. See, we need to be an example of the believers. Letter G, we need to stop speaking lies. A lot of people, uh, you know, constantly saying things, fabricating things. Look, our tongues are full of expressions of hypocrisy because we say things with our tongues that are not truly in our hearts. And you say, Pastor, where do you get that from? Well, look what John wrote here in 1 John chapter number 4. If a man say, well, notice how he puts it. If a man say, I love God, and he hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. We're hypocrites if we say, hey, look, I, I love God, but we can't get along with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So one of the things when you think about the tongue is, is stop speaking lies. Is speaking about how much the Lord means to us when people uh, know that we don't love the brethren, again, that's hypocrisy. So look, he talks about the connection of the tongue to the heart, and then he talks about how that there, there's, because of what we say will condemn us. People are listening to what we say. Then he gives us this matter of uh, the checkup of the heart, things that we need to look at and, and search our own hearts, all right? And then look at number four, because he does give some wonderful comparisons of the tongue here in chapter number three. And so he just, he's, James is trying to write here, not just to help the church in his day, but to help us in our day, because God's preserved his word to our generation. And God has given us some great illustrations here, because look, God wants us to be in one accord. God wants us to be together. God wants us to be doing the work of God. But you know what the devil wants? The devil wants us to be divided. The devil wants there to be a schism in the body. Because look, if some people say, well, look, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, right? Look, I, I, I want to follow the Lord. And it's important that we're together. But look what he says here in chapter 3 and verse number 3. It's some of these comparisons. He says, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. I mean, you ever thought about how large an, a horse is, and you put that small little bit in the mouth of a horse, and we, we can turn that horse about, we want that horse to obey us, and he says, Here, here's another comparison, talking about ships, although they're so great, they're driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. You know, he's talking here about riding a horse that's not properly trained without proper, the proper bit in its mouth or a boat that can't be guided. You know what's going to happen is that horse you're riding on that you can't control or that ship that you're on board while you're out on, the, on a body of water and fierce winds come, he's talking about there's real danger there. We've got to understand how important it is for things to be in control. God says if we, if we live life with an uncontrolled tongue, that's what he's talking about here. We are endangering not only ourselves, but everyone else around us that's hearing us. Very important that we see this. Even so, the tongue is a little member. It boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter, a little fire. 
you see on the news sometimes, we lived in California for 12 years, and they talk about these great forest fires that just wipe out hundreds of thousands of acres. You know what it all started with? One little spark. So a lot of times I'd hear stories, a couple kids goofing around with a pack of matches or something. One little spark. And that's exactly what our tongue does. Just one little spark, one little word. And it sets on fire. I mean, it just it gets out of control. And the forest fires destroy so much. The tongue is a little thing, but it's capable of doing great damage. So we need to understand the power of our words. I hope you understand this morning that our words are supposed to encourage others, not discourage them. Look at James chapter 3 and verse number 9. Again, here's what he says. Therewith, with the tongue, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So James is asking, listen to this, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And the answer to that is no. It doesn't send forth from the same place sweet water and bitter. But then he asks, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? And again, a fig tree is not going to bear olive berries. So understand, the answer again is no. He says you can't have sweet water and bitter coming from the same place. He says you can't have olive berries coming from a fig tree. He says either a vine, figs, and again, the answer is no. But watch this, so can no fountain yield salt water and fresh. What is he talking about? He's talking about the consistency of our tongues. He's saying, Christian, you and I have to learn to control our tongues. God can change us, and I understand that. God can help us, but we need to look in your heart, say, Lord, I want to have a tongue that says things that's pleasing to you. And how many of you would say, with God's help, that's the way you want to be this morning, is I want to use the tongue so the examination is over. And I'm not going to ask you, but how did you do? Because all of us, I think, watch this. We don't need to search our tongue. Where do we need to search? Our hearts. You got it. You were listening this morning. Because we're in Sunday school, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing and the encouragement and the admonition. And even this morning, the conviction that our tongue is so small but can do such damage. And Lord, I just pray myself and many others, Lord, we're listening to the Word of God. Help us to use kind words. Be an example of the believers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.